You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Cam Chancellor comes up and just unloads. Number 31, clean his clock. Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. Russell has time, fires down the middle. Got his man, Baldwin. He is in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Doug Baldwin again. Powered by Seahawks.com. Welcome to the Seahawks Insider Podcast. I'm Jen Mueller alongside John Boyle from Seahawks.com. Hi, Jen. How are you? I am well. Has the Christmas magic worn off yet? Eh, you know, we're getting there. You still have the joy of the, the young and playing with new toys. She's having fun with that. There you go. And yeah. the tree will certainly stay up in my house past New Year's because we will be spending New Year's Day in... Santa Clara, California. Yes. As many times as I keep saying San Francisco, locals there will remind me that it is nowhere close to San Francisco. We are playing in Santa Clara. And this Seahawks Insiders podcast is going to focus on that game against the Niners, which will be the final regular season game for the Seahawks. We already know that the Seahawks are hosting a playoff game. What we're waiting to see, though, John, is whether that is going to be a wild card game or division matchup. Exactly. There's still a lot of options on who they can play, what seed they can be, and as you mentioned, if if they get a little help from the Saints down in Atlanta, the Seahawks still have a chance at that two seed and a bye, but if the Falcons take care of business, then the Seahawks will be playing the following weekend in the wild card round. And everybody in that locker room has talked about just how disappointing Christmas Day was coming off of the Christmas Eve loss against Arizona. And they acknowledge that the Cardinals have played them tough, not just this year, but that's been a tough matchup. And considering, um, I guess, that they don't control their own destiny anymore, how would you describe kind of that vibe around the team? You know, I think it's they look at it as, you know, priority one, you got to take care of your own business and not worry about, who you're going to play when you're going to play and all that. But then, you know, they realized that if they could get the buy, it'd be great. Everybody would love the rest, but they also understand that, you know, the team that gets hot at the right time can win the Super Bowl no matter what the route. I mean, Michael Bennett mentioned, you'd look at, you know, wildcard teams that have won it recently, like the Giants and the Packers. So look, it would it be better to get that buy and get a week off and be hosting the divisional round? Sure. But they know that if they don't, they still can, you know, everything's still out there for them. I do get a pretty good sense of confidence inside the locker room. If you talk to people just out and about around town, I'm not sure that they have the same <laughs> level of confidence. So here's what we're going to try to do. We're going to try to quell some of those fears and some of those concerns a little bit. John, why shouldn't, be pe- why shouldn't people be worried about this Seahawks team? You know, I, I think the biggest thing would be that if you look at, what this team has struggled against most the team you know it's like the rams the cardinals some of these really tough defensive fronts have given them trouble they're probably not gonna see there's some good fronts in the nfc for sure but maybe not you know the defensive lines quite as dangerous as those that just have given them so many fits on offense so i guess that may be my my biggest uh you know if you're looking for for optimism is i think this offense has shown it can function really well in certain matchups and it struggled in certain others. And then, you know, it's, you want to be consistent. You want to be better, but what they've done in the second half of the last two games shows that when they're right, this offense can be really good. Now it's finding it for four quarters instead of the second two. Well, and so let's flip the question around and say, where is their reason for concern? Because when you take a look at those second half troubles, I think back to those playoff games last year where it, 
you know, Minnesota, let's throw that one out because it was impossible to get anything going yeah. in those conditions. But even in Carolina, you start slow. You've got a lot of ground to make up, and they almost had enough time so to close. do it. But is this a trend that we're starting to see late in the season that's concerning, or is it just different things that they've got to patch up? I feel like it's more kind of different, unique circumstances from week to week, but it's it's something they know is it's an issue that they want to address. I mean, Pete has always said it's all about the finish and you can't win a game in the first quarter, all that stuff. And that's true. And they've shown it over time that they haven't always been a great starting team and they've still won a lot of games. But there's a difference between not starting great and finishing well versus digging yourselves holes you can't really get out of. And that's, you know, that's kind of what's happened at times. Last week was weird, too, because the offense got going and then the defense struggled in the second half. And that's something we don't usually see out of this team. So it's... uh, it's just, I mean, the the word of the kind of the theme of the week around here has been consistency, and it's not just the offense, not just the offensive line. It's kind of all over the place. They've had issues in the kicking game crop up at times. So it's just, it's been a weird season, and that they've shown in any given week they can be really good, and they're, the talent's there and all that. But they just, there's times where issues pop up that they need to get right if they're going to go on a run. And a lot of folks have talked about, especially on the offensive side of the ball, starting faster, yeah. like you just said. So how do they do that? You know, I, I talked to Justin Britt a little bit about this, and it's a lot of it's just kind of the issue of communication, everybody being on the same page and just being sharp. Because, I mean, we saw it was night and day what that offense and the line in particular looked like last week, first half to second half. So it's if they can just kind of be all on the same page, and I mean, everyone's going to tell you it sounds cliche, but they're going to say it starts in practice this week. It's It's getting prepared right so that when you come out, first series of the game you're doing things right and it's not taking you until halftime to get it right and then one thing that you know i'm not trying to minimize issues ed but it's amazing what one play can do to a series where it's you know you have a jermaine curse gets engaged with the guy a little too early it's offensive pass interference that drives pretty much dead first and 20 so hard to overcome you miss one block you get a sack the drive's kind of dead so it's it's not necessarily a huge thing to go from three and out, three and out, to maybe getting a touchdown and a field goal early in the game. It's just kind of cleaning up some of those little things. Well, and third down conversions have actually been really good they the have, last few yeah. weeks, including uh, against the Cardinals. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I mean, they've either been at 50% or one conversion away from 50% four straight games. And second half, much like everything else in that game, second half was a lot better than the first. I think they only had converted once in the first half. And again, that, that goes back to you get first and long, second long, it makes third down really tough. And I do think it starts with that offensive line. For for a lot of different reasons. Yes, Russell has to be right, but I'll tell you, you know, I, I've been on the sidelines. This is now eight years, so I've seen Tom Cable for a number of years here. It was the most vocal I have ever seen him on the sidelines in the first half of that game, and that's not even saying that he was yelling and screaming because Tom Cable is kind of this very even-keeled guy, and he was um, – He was certainly more demonstrative than I've seen him. And the general message was nobody was – the combos weren't right. It was like everybody was hearing things differently. They weren't firing off in the same way. If you get them going in the right direction, which, by the way, Marcel, where you shared with me after having been with Tom Cable as a head coach in Oakland, he said, you know, Capes isn't going to yell a whole lot, but the minute he raises his voice, you know you better (laughs) get on that because it is not going to be pretty – you see what happens in the second half when you do make that adjustment, but it's exactly what they said. The, the conversation was, we're not seeing this the same. We're all doing kind of our own thing. Yeah, and then I think it can kind of snowball on you guys, especially when you've got young guys in there. Is okay, something goes wrong, and now you know, 
there's a lot of talk this week with coaches about guys kind of overextending and over trying and all that. And it does like you, you miss a block once cause you miss assignment and now maybe your head's spinning a little bit and all of a sudden it can, it can look pretty bad in a hurry. And it doesn't, it's not always guys just getting physically beat or dominated. It's just, it can, you know, one guy being in the wrong place can make a play look really bad in a hurry. Yeah. And if you can't forget that and move on, here's the other quote that uh, Marcel Reese gave me that I thought was really good. He said, you know, being composed can be your biggest asset in the huddle and yeah, making sure. sure that you can move on. And so if that's the kind of messaging that he's helping some of those young running backs with, I think they are in good shape. And they should be in really good shape in the running game this week against the 49ers because the 49ers have given up a franchise record for rushing yards this season. Yes, they are currently last in the NFL, allowing 171 yards per game. So that's... That's the kind of team you should be able to get right against. And yes. that's, you know, there's always stuff that can kind of go into that to make it a little misleading. They're, they've been, they've lost a lot of games. They've been playing from behind. Teams are going to run late in games and all that. But still, that's, you need to be able to, it, the Seahawks don't need to go out and win this game by 40 points. That's, it's hard to do that in the NFL, no matter the opponent. So people shouldn't panic if the game's a little closer than maybe you want it to be. But there's certain things you're going to look for within the game that if this team is going in the right directions, you want to see. And running the ball, to me, is kind of chief amongst them. There's that stretch, four-game stretch, very recently, where this team was averaging 160 yards a game on the ground. You thought, okay, Russell Wilson's healthy. Thomas Rawls is back. They found it. And then it kind of went the wrong direction the last couple of weeks for a lot of different reasons. So this is a good chance for them to kind of get right, so to speak. And you want to see the San Francisco trends continue. And I'm going to ask you in just a second what we need to see from Thomas Rawls if he is, in fact, going to get the ball, which it looks like he is because he's at practice. So what he needs to work on in this game. But the other trends that I'd like to see continue for San Francisco, they're also last in the league in time of possession and points allowed per game. So I'd like to continue seeing that happen. That'll be an an indicator to me that the Seahawks are doing what they're supposed to be doing. But for you, John, when you watch Thomas Rawls, because we have seen him at times almost get a little too excited. Yeah. He's, he's not hitting the hole right. He's not seeing it the way that maybe he should. Yeah, and that's I think some of that comes with the time he's missed this year. It's running back's kind of position. It's guys getting rhythms. They get a feel for the game, a feel for their blockers. And, you know, it, it definitely didn't look right when he first came back earlier in the year, and he admitted he was too anxious and he wasn't being the patient runner he needs to be. It looked really good when he came back, and it, it has at times, and at other times the whole run games looked a little off. Um, you know, Daryl Bevel talked about this yesterday. They, it feels different when they have Thomas Rawls and he's right. It just it gives them kind of a different element, you know, what this team's always wanted out of his running game, that physical nature. So, uh, you know, getting him going and having it look like Thomas Rawls in the running game should look is going to be a big deal. For as much as we want to see that ground game get going, how much do we need to see from this wide receiver core minus Tyler Lockett? Because this is the reality for the Seahawks the rest of the year. Yeah, unfortunately, you lost one of your biggest playmakers for the season. So, um, you know, it's the good news is the guy who's going to kind of see his role change the most, Paul Richardson, he's played a lot. It's, you know, he hasn't seen, he had his biggest role late in his rookie year. He was playing really well. He had that three-game stretch to close the season where he had like 140 receiving yards in those last three games. And then, unfortunately, he hurt his knee and was out, and that knee injury carried into the next year, and then he pulls a hamstring and ends up on IRC. Basically lost last year to injury. By the time he gets back, Tyler Lockett's really established himself, so now 
Paul Richardson's fighting for reps. So it, this is a great opportunity for him. I think it's a really good sign that he came out strong in the second half of that game, had a few big catches and a touchdown where now he can build off that. That gives him confidence, and now you're you're really confident in him. And then Jermaine Curse, it hasn't been the best year for him. He's talked about this being kind of a humbling year, and he was losing some playing time to Tyler Lockett before the injury, and now he's going to be right back into that starting role. So this is a good chance for him. I mean, if we know anything about Jermaine Curse, it's that – no matter kind of how things are going, he can come up with a big moment, and this is a great chance for him to kind of turn things around in what's been not his best season. And he is still getting those opportunities because while his stats don't look the same from last year, he is still getting targets from Russell, which shows that there is still a level of trust and a desire to get him the ball. Yeah, and the other thing with him, and I talked with Doug Baldwin about this a little bit yesterday, is so much of what he does that they like about him, why he's in there, doesn't show up in stats. That's the blocking he does, the just the the route running that sometimes he's running a route that is to to help get somebody else open. And as Doug Baldwin explained, is he can do a lot of those things because he has a really high football IQ, and they they trust him to do some things that they might not want other guys doing. So I, I don't want this to be saying Jermaine Curse is having a bad season. It just maybe statistically hasn't been as productive as some other years. Right, and you have to know how to evaluate those guys even when the numbers aren't there because it doesn't mean that he's not an asset in certain parts of exactly. the game for the team. And speaking of Doug Baldwin, he needs eight more receptions to become the first player in franchise history with 100 in a single season. That is hard to believe, and he needs three more receptions to set the single-season franchise mark with 95. He will pass one of my favorites, Bobby Ingram, who was also pretty darn good out of the slot. Yeah. Had some pretty sneaky moves that he would use to get some separation. So I see a lot of similarities there. He has already set career high in receptions and yards, and uh, Doug's coming off the best game of his career, which was really good for Doug, and it's made some people wonder if um, – that took away from some Jimmy Graham opportunities. Yeah, I mean, Jimmy Graham's had, what is it, four catches in the last three games, I think. So it's, you know, anytime that happens, people are going to wonder why isn't he getting the ball more. And there was that stretch earlier in the year when he's getting, you know, six, seven catches every game. So I, I completely understand why fans want to. I mean, he's a, he's been an all-pro. He's a great tight end. I get it. But this is not an offense where they've ever wanted to just force-feed one guy and this. You know, sometimes it's what Russell Wilson sees. Sometimes it's the play call. But just for whatever reasons, you know, Pete Carroll mentioned they're were, they were rerouting him at the line of scrimmage more than they thought they would. And sometimes it's just Doug Baldwin was open a lot. Yeah. And we saw it, 13 catches, 170 yards. I mean, it, are we, you know, do they want to not throw to the open guy? So uh, it's, you know, I would be surprised if Jimmy Graham doesn't have more catches next week just because I feel like it's kind of cyclical and guys – get their chances and he's a great player um but yeah it's it is a little weird to see him held the one two catches in a game because he he's a phenomenal player yeah let's flip the conversation over to the other side of the ball where the Seahawks defense has allowed less than 100 yards rushing in the last four games I didn't realize but they'd only allowed one third down conversion to Arizona I believe last week and now you're facing a 49er team that is without their leading rusher Carlos Hyde he was placed on injured reserve last week but you do have the ability of Colin Kaepernick yeah. to just go wherever he wants to I love Mike Bennett's description of, of him this week how he, he he runs funny and doesn't run with good form but he man he can move <laughs> I, I remember those you know the the games his first couple years when 
he gets in the open field, it's, I mean, those long legs get going and he can fly. So, yeah, they're, you know, he's played really well the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he was not the starting quarterback when these two teams played earlier in the year. So that adds a different element. And certainly with the Chip Kelly offense, you're going to expect to see the quarterback run the ball some. They've run the ball well this year. That's been, you know, for all the struggles they've had, one of the things they've done best is run it. And they ran it late in that game against the Seahawks scored a couple late touchdowns that had the defense a little upset about the way they finished that game. But uh, yeah, I mean, if, if you look at areas that you might worry about with a team that's struggling, that's probably the number one thing is the way they can move the ball on the ground. Yeah. And you know, Chip Kelly's offenses are usually kind of those quick strikes through the air. You know, they're, they're trying to get those chunk yards and hit you downfield. This has been the best rushing team that Chip Kelly has had in the NFL, but their offensive numbers aren't there because their passing yards are so much less than any other Chip Kelly coach team. So can we just expect them to force feed it on the ground and take the Seahawks secondary out of it? You know, I, I think they'll still take a few shots. And if you go back and look, the last couple of weeks, Kaepernick's numbers are up quite a bit, his passing numbers, you know, the, the efficiency numbers, the ratings, all that. So um, he seems to be, you know, as he's kind of getting back comfortable in that starting role, he's had over half a season there now after kind of a long layoff. Uh, you know, I, I do think they're going to try to lean on the run game, but I, I wouldn't expect them to be totally one-dimensional. I would love to see, um, you know, just Colin Kaepernick against that Seahawks defensive front that has not just racked up the sacks, but Cliff Averill with 25 quarterback hits this year. It's unbelievable. Michael Bennett has 18, and how about Frank Clark coming on as, an, as a protege to both of those guys? He's got 18 quarterback hits. You know, I, I want to see what they can do against Kaepernick because he is such a different type of quarterback, and I just want to see him get back there because it's it's kind of fun to watch him get that much pressure. Yeah, and they've, you know, you go back to last year when Kaepernick was still the starter early early in the season, and they beat him up pretty good. That This team has had pretty good success against these mobile quarterbacks, and Kaepernick in particular, you know, going back a few years now. So, the, you know, really athletic front seven, which is what you need against a quarterback like that. So that's, that's a fun matchup. And it's kind of fun to think about that matchup if you think forward into the playoffs. I don't know that that's not what the team is doing, but as we, we wrap up here in the last couple of minutes, exactly. That's kind of what we're here for. So the Seahawks do not control their own destiny. They need Atlanta to lose to get the number two seed and that bye. So there are about four teams right now that are possibility for coming to CenturyLink Field. And out of those four, we started talking about this a little bit earlier, John. Are there teams, or which teams do the Seahawks match up best against, both on that defensive side and I think offensively, there's certainly some uh, advantages. Yes. I, and, you know, we don't want to be providing any bulletin board material here, but there are certain teams that will probably be more favorable than others. And to me, as I, I touched on when we got started here, I think ultimately if you can face a team that doesn't have that, those dominant defensive front players that right now seems to be what's hurt the Seahawks the most. When you look at the teams that have given them the most struggle, whether it's a Gerald McCoy in Tampa or Aaron Donald with the Rams, the, all anybody the, in the division, right. Yeah. That's playing that kind of just smash mouth. Yeah. Hard nose. So I, you know, I like this team's chances a lot. If there's a team that they can give Russell Wilson time to throw and they can get the running game going a little bit. So, you know, who, who that team is, you know, I'd, I'd have to, I'd have to get, we're a little ahead of ourselves. I haven't done the breakdowns yet, but, uh, you know, there's, what, four? They could play Green Bay, Detroit, Washington, Washington, or the Giants yep. if, if they're in the wild card yep. round. So, um, yeah. 
who, who the best matchup is, let, that's a conversation for next weekend. And I tell you what, let's keep our fingers crossed that they do get a little bit of help, and we're yeah. not actually talking about a matchup next week. We're having to wait a couple of weeks well, be great. to talk we'll, about that We'll all matchup. pull for Drew Brees and the Saints to... Hey, to you know what? take care of business, yes. We, we just saw that, you know, I in a division game, road team with a worse record can go out and, and steal one. So, <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, we, we know that scenario unfortunately well. Unfortunately, we know exactly how that against feels. Against a team with a lot to play for. Yes. So, you know, That's why true. not? That's Let's true. A win this week would give the Seahawks 10 regular season wins. A win would also give Pete Carroll 112 combined career wins. That would tie him with the great John Madden, which would be a very cool thing to talk about. And, of course, it will set them up for the postseason. And whoever they face, whatever that schedule looks like, we will be here to break it down for you next week, as that is this week's edition of Seahawks Insider. You can catch all of our podcasts, Seahawks.com slash podcast. Podcast.